0: Welcome to Smart Habits for Translators, a podcast for translators by translators, bringing you simple strategies to build
1: better habits and improve your business and lifestyle. We're your hosts, Madalena Sanchez and and Veronica de Michelis. Like you, we are professional translators striving to balance the challenges that come with building a career and maintaining clarity and boundaries between work and personal life.
0: Welcome to Smart Habits for Translators. Today's topic may seem unexpected, but we're very excited to share it with you, and we hope that this will spark some ideas. If you ask a translator or an interpreter what they like the most about their work, many will say that they love learning new things every day and enjoy the creative process that goes into conveying a message from one language to another. Our jobs require creativity and curiosity, and we're very excited to bring a special guest today to join us in discussing how we can cultivate these qualities. We're thrilled to welcome a colleague, friend, and a fellow podcaster, Mireya Perez, to join us today. Mireya began her professional interpreting career after completing her interpreting studies and becoming a certified medical interpreter. She worked as a medical interpreter in both a general and children's hospital before becoming a staff interpreter in a K-12 public education school district, where she spent nearly a decade helping to highlight the roles of trained interpreters in education. Currently, Mireya is the proud owner of Brand the Interpreter Incorporated, an up-and-coming multimedia learning platform, which includes the Brand the Interpreter podcast, a show dedicated to sharing the stories of language professionals from around the world. She holds a master's in communications and enjoys reading and sharing about topics such as creativity, personal branding, and strategic communication management.
1: Welcome to Smart Habits for Translators, Mireya. How exciting
2: to be here.
1: Thank you so much, Maria. We are thrilled that you're joining us today. And uh, we encourage all of our listeners to find your podcast and also follow Maria on Instagram. We love her reels. They are really amazing and just pinpoint the funny and sometimes challenging situations that you have to encounter in your professional life, but you do it with so much grace and humor. It's really refreshing.
2: Thank you. (laughs) I never in my life would have thought that that would have been something that would come up, but I appreciate it so much.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. All right. So to kick things off, we'd love for you to tell our listeners and colleagues about yourself
2: and your business. Sure. So a little bit about myself. My working languages are English, Spanish. I grew up as a bilingual individual. And by that, I mean, first language was obviously Spanish with my parents. But I was in preschool at a very young age. And so English only. Right. And and at a very young age, I I picked up the English language. Or so I'm told quite quickly. And so it just it, it just was part of my world to live in a bilingual world where at home it was one way and then at school it was another. It was almost like the Shrek movie, right? By day I was one thing and by night I was another. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing for, for school growing up. It was just part of my world until it wasn't. We moved at a was about 10 years old to this place called Apple Valley, <laughs> I really thought I was going to see lots of apple trees. And in fact, it was a lot of tumbleweeds. Instead, it's like the high desert, right? And it was a culture shock. So it was just a completely different world for me coming from Los Angeles to the desert, and culture shock because there was no Spanish speakers. We were the second Latino family in the neighborhood from where we moved into. Long story short, there was a lot of usage of, of my, my languages. Fast forward, it became part of my professional life. I really wanted to give back to the community in a way that was fulfilling to myself as well, where I felt that I was really utilizing the things that I felt were my skill sets. And and so it just became, I think, almost automatic to look into how could I use my, the combination of my two languages. And I did end up falling into the profession itself. Ultimately, I became a professional in the medical setting. I did transition into school setting. And this is currently where I'm at. I mean, I, I just it's been one thing after the next. It definitely has been an interesting journey, to say the least. I love hearing
1: all of our colleagues' journeys. Um, Everyone has a special story to share, and it was really, really fun to hear yours. So tell us about your podcast, Brand the Interpreter, led you to start it, and what do you enjoy the most about being a podcast host?
2: Yeah, Brand the Interpreter, it's so interesting because it was, again, when we talk about things that you never think about how they... May evolve, you know. If you just allow that that door to open, brand the interpreter was actually a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> At one point, yeah, it was like by by the encouragement, the consistent encouragement of a colleague that wanted me to to present on the topic of you know this this whole notion of of. Uh, highlighting the role of the interpreter Brent, the interpreter the title was actually encouraged by a different colleague who thought let's leave t and i out you know she she said why everything is t and i do something okay. different and so it just it started as that and when i saw the just the engagement and the response from that little workshop at that conference and how people really connected with the experiences and the stories that were behind the inspiration of pushing this work in a public education setting. It just led me to think, you know, what would it be like if other professionals would share their stories and their challenges and their responses to the roadblocks in their professional careers, how would other people respond? It was really a a creative outlet. If I'm being completely honest with you gals, I, I feel that I felt I was in a bit of a creative rut. At work, there is a lot of red tape when it comes to certain things when you're working for an organization, particularly one that does not necessarily prioritize the topic of language access. And so it feels like there's a lot of you know, working upstream, so really difficult at times. And so I just, I wanted a space where I could be creative and where I could learn to relove what I did or what, you know, what I do. I wanted to fall in love with that aspect again. And for that, I needed to connect with other individuals. And so I, it was a random, crazy idea. Just one day, you know, I call them downloads. I got a download. And it was and thought, why not a podcast? I mean, that's basically where it started. (laughs) That's
0: so cool. And, you know, I'm sure that you've had such a good response from everybody from it, because in the same sense as our podcast, it's people really enjoy hearing honest conversations. I think I've told you before, you're maybe the best interviewer I've heard in our field. So you have great guests. And also, I feel like you connect with your guests as well, really nicely. So it's always a pleasure to listen to yours, but I think the honest conversations and the creative side of it are what really resonate with people.
2: Thank you, Madalena. It means a lot to hear that, especially from you. So excited when Madalena said yes to being my guest. (laughs) And then here I am. So I I really appreciate that. But absolutely, I think that's one of the things that took me by surprise the most is seeing that other people connected with that storytelling process, which, you know, I've always sort of embedded in the work that I did, which I feel that had a lot to do with some of the gains that we had in the organization in, in the school district was because we did embed this storytelling process. And so when I saw the way people responded to the podcast, which, by the way, again, complete surprise to me, I was going to have my coworkers as my listeners. That was that was the extent of, you know, where I where I thought this yeah. would go. But for me, it was more about the creative aspect. Right. I, I wanted to put something together that I was having fun with and that everything that I felt I had in terms of skills, I could apply it somewhere, so I wasn't even really thinking about where the podcast would go until I started receiving the feedback and so I knew that at that point, yes, you're absolutely right, the conversations, the organic conversations, and you know just the process itself of storytelling most definitely connected with the audience, and I couldn't be more grateful.
0: Awesome, I love hearing that, and I think that also comes through on your social media, so kudos
2: to you. Thank you.
0: So Maria, what values led you to become an interpreter and how do you think that they show up in your business?
2: Yeah, I feel like in the beginning, you know, when when especially when you're looking to apply your skill sets in a professional way, I don't know that it was necessarily values that led me into this. I think it was more curiosity And my desire to be able to connect what I felt were my only skill sets, in this case, being bilingual and giving back to the community. But I always had this desire to give back in an impactful and meaningful way because I did see individuals like myself that were bilingual supporting and helping. But it wasn't, and I hate to say it in this way, but it's the only way I could express it. It wasn't impactful. It was almost like, you know, it was by default, if you're bilingual, you were going to support certain pockets of the community. And that just wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to do it in an impactful way. I didn't know what that was going to look like at first. I just knew that I couldn't just say I'm bilingual and I want to help the community. So I wanted to do it in a professional way. And you know, thus began my journey of identifying trainings and what I could afford, because let's be honest, that's really what was leading, <laughs> whether or not I was going to be able to obtain the training when I was young. And so I looked into trainings that I could afford that had substance. And so I did end up finding a community college that I could afford to pay to pay as I went, and that I felt had substance. And I say that because of the instructors that were a part of the program. And I feel that that really what ended up leading the way. Eventually, I realized that the value of professionalism and giving giving back in a meaningful way were were values to me that I didn't identify at first. At first, it was more about curiosity and how I could apply the things that I did have under my belt and be able to turn that into something that was meaningful for both ends, for myself and for the people that I was serving. I like that.
0: That's wonderful. And I can see like, you're still using that curiosity in the things that you're doing now, which is cool. I do. I'm super curious. I
2: shouldn't be, but I, but I totally, I shouldn't be in something that I should say,
0: (laughs) but I totally am. Yeah. That's good. No, I think that's wonderful. And it's probably what helps you to keep things fresh and keep things, you know, moving forward in many ways is curiosity. So switching gears a little bit to the topic that we love to talk about here is smart habits. What would you
2: say are some smart habits that have been crucial in your career so far? Well, I mean, in continuing the conversation about curiosity, most definitely, I think that just being able to give myself permission to be curious and not allow the red tape from one aspect of my professional career to encompass all aspects, right, of my professional career. I think that curiosity is definitely a smart habit, one that we we shouldn't push aside to maybe some components, but rather include them in all com- components of our work. But I think also the way in which I, I work is organizational. And, and by that, I mean, I tend to triage my work. Like medical professionals will triage their patients. I tend to triage my work in that way. What needs to be done now? What could wait? You know, what's a long-term plan? I definitely always think in, in long-term, right? Where is, where is this work going to take me in the next month? six months, year. And so I think that for me has been a habit most definitely that I I don't know where, where it was necessarily picked up, if I'm being quite honest. I remember one time, this is many moons ago, I'm about to date myself, but I did work for a nonprofit organization a while back, and we worked a lot with the youth of the community. And I remember that years later, she came back to thank me and one of the things that she wanted to thank me for was she really liked the way I color coded my work. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll like it. and that she had applied it in her work style and it kept her really organized and I remember just sitting there thinking wow out of all the things the, the color coordinating of my tabs and my files <laughs> well that's true because I was going to ask you what do you do to triage your work because we want to know I do I do we need more details I do right. I mean everything's digital now so I no longer have necessarily the color-coded tabs but my calendar is color coded. I have color codes for what's going to be meetings, if I'm going to have workshops, if it's a to do, right, a quick task to do, if I'm going to have a a conversation with someone, everything's color coded so that I can quickly identify how I need to prepare for things to come as opposed to just putting something on the calendar, which then seems like just a bunch of text. I've always said I'm a visual learner. And so even just with the color aspect, I feel that there's a sense of organization because I can see what's coming. Mm-hmm. So my calendar, I work with the, the Google platform and my calendar is pretty color coded. I did that even at work. And I don't know if my coworkers, you know, if it drove them crazy or not, or if maybe they'll remember me too in the future for my color, my color <laughs> coded calendar. But that was something that I just, I felt organized, even if it was just for myself, but it gave me some sense of organization. So yeah, for sure. The calendar is a must now.
1: Yeah, love it. We both talked about our ways of organizing our calendars and emails in the past episodes. And we probably use something similar. We both like to color code. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. Even my folders on Google Drive are color coded people that I work mm-hmm. with with different yeah, projects. Yeah, like yeah. it's like they're all gray. And then I'm like, they begin to be color coded. That means I've reviewed that folder. Mm-hmm. We're ready to move on to the next one. Yeah. So color yeah. is definitely still, yeah, something it's- that I use
1: make decisions at a glance. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. To kind of flip that around, what is one habit you had earlier in your career that you no longer practice and why?
2: Oh, that's a good one. This is going to maybe sound quirky, but I used to respond to emails the moment they came through, I don't know, I, I think I have ADD and that's, you know, self-diagnosed, but I would see it. So I, I had it in which it showed me, right, this was at a work at my the school district. I would get a glimpse of it because it would give me, you know, the little glimpse of your email came through and who it was from. And so no matter what I was working on, it would come in and I would stop what I was doing and I would read it. And then usually they were urgent. Things And so I would stop and I would respond at the moment and then go back. Well, if you can imagine working for an organization with over 2000 employees, you know, we worked with over 20 schools uh, and their requests. And somebody always was in need of uh, something related to language services. My work at the moment didn't make much progress because Mm -hmm. I kept stopping. And it just felt like. The requests were always urgent, and so I felt like I was doing them a favor, which I'm sure I was, but I wasn't necessarily doing myself a favor in in terms of getting the work done at hand. Now that I'm on my own, I don't do that anymore, And, and it wasn't because I said one day I need to stop. It was actually thanks to a wise individual that responded to a response that I sent, which was, I apologize for the delay in my response, right? Because it had been a couple days and I just simply couldn't get to it. And I felt awful, but it was like, it was an extensive response that I needed to give. And so it took me a couple of days to which this person responded. And I will forever be grateful for her response around the lies. And I'm paraphrasing here that, like responding in two days is actually fast, you know, you don't need to feel the pressure of responding that same day, right? Like at the moment, or even she said, at that same day, yeah, this is actually a quick response. And it just, I kid you not, like from that moment forward, she gave me permission to not respond at the moment. Mm -hmm. And so now I triage my emails as well. (laughs) Thanks to that person so very much because, yes, it absolutely made me think that it's no longer something I want to apply because later on I ended up reading somewhere that said people's emails are usually their to-do list, right? Like it's something that they need to get done. And so you're prioritizing their to-do list instead of yours. So bam, double whamming there, (laughs) double permission.
1: (laughs) I love it. This is such a valuable lesson. And thanks for sharing that with us, too. Let's go back to your career switch. You had a long career as a school district interpreter and translator, and then decided
2: to go freelance. What was that transition like? Scary. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a moment of from one day to the next if if I'm going to be completely honest here, it was it was definitely a long stretched out transition. You know, it was something that I felt the need for years but fear kept getting in the way of making that transition. I couldn't muster up the courage to do it even though in my heart of hearts I really wanted to. And it started to get to the point where I just felt like it was I was in this rut no matter how much I was doing right in the in the company with the school district, it wasn't meeting what my heart felt like doing. And so it just became this long, stretched out transition into one day. It was like I envision it like the diving board from when you're trying to dive into the deep end, super scary moment. And then it was kind of like at some point, once you get on that diving board, you have to jump because you can't go back, because everyone's lined up to come after you. So there's no way of going back <laughs> down. I took the plunge. And it's been over six months now. And I don't see my life. I don't, I don't even remember that past life. <laughs> anymore. Now it's like, wow. it's all this. And I yeah, I mean, but it, it was definitely a long stretched out process. So it wasn't something that, you know, I, I took lightly at all.
0: I love that. I remember when you announced it, it was such a, like, sort of a surprise, but also like, well, that makes sense. Of course she should be doing this. (laughs)
2: That's kind of how it seemed. I don't know. Yeah, no, it was definitely scary. And you know, what's funny is that I, I feel like it was almost strategic. Like I felt like I I didn't announce it to the world necessarily because it was something that was, you know, that was brewing. I kept having conversations with strong women that were in business of their own. And so I if it, it almost felt like a theme, you know, like I kept I kept pulling this information from individuals. Madalena, you were on you were on and I kept asking about these things and because I just felt the need to be surrounded by that light, by individuals that had already done that, that just felt fulfilled. In, the, in that sense, right, of doing something on their own, I needed that encouragement, even if it was not direct encouragement about it. But then when I announced it, I said it to a couple of individuals, you know, in my close circle, as a way to kind of keep myself accountable for it. And so when they would ask, like, have you done it? It was like a reminder I'm going to do this. I'm I'm going to jump. I'm going to jump. So yeah, it was, yeah, it was actually, it it was intentional in the sense that I, I wanted to make sure that people made me feel accountable for what I said I would do.
0: And it sounds like you're happy. So.
2: Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, I, yeah, this is a different life for me. So long time coming. We are sort of transitioning back and forth between what
0: you're motivated by and what you're passionate about, and also habits and systems and processes and how they work together. And so we were wondering, you know, what kind of systems or processes do you use to stay focused and organized? And like, what do you do when you don't actually feel motivated?
2: Oh, yeah, that's new to me. So all of these things, I definitely, I have to put into practice. With a lot of intention. I mentioned just a bit ago, like, I feel like I'm ADD myself. I tend to want to do several things at once. And number one, one of those is just so that I could stay focused, as weird as that sounds, into something. But because I feel like if I sit down for too long, I get antsy. And so I tend to have maybe one or two things in front of me that I can kind of bounce back and forth with. I don't know that that's necessarily a great strategy, but I know that it keeps me from not feeling that anxiousness of like, oh, I've been sitting here for too long. So that's definitely something now in in my current work as working independently for myself, something that I continue to have to practice with, I have to learn to turn off the phone or put it away from me so that I'm not distracted to want to grab it, you know, every few seconds and and take a look at what's happening on the world. I just tend to kind of isolate myself. One of the things that has actually helped me a lot, and I don't know why are my headphones with what is it called the noise cancellation option? Mm -hmm. There is something about that just absolute I don't even hear the humming around me that it just sort of helps me really center myself and really dive into whatever it is that I'm doing. And so yeah, I'm sure people walking into the room are like thinking, what is going on with their big headphones? So it's not like it's this little (laughs) you know, it's not the AirPods or anything like that. It's actually my big headphones that I put over my ears. That has certainly helped me most recently. One other thing that I've I've discovered throughout this process is in order to continue to stay motivated, or if I do lose motivation, I should say, is that I found that it, it's it been a difficult transition going from eight hours, you know, like nonstop things that are coming through and then some because then you get to work and you your mind is still going thinking about what you're going to do for the next day, that now I've felt the permission, coming back to that word of giving myself permission to rest if I need to, that if I don't feel motivated at the moment, or I don't feel like I can complete that, that I don't force it because I don't have to force it, that it's okay for me to say, you know what, I'm going to take a moment to, I don't know, walk outside real quick, right? Take a small short walk listen to something real quick that's motivating to me, read a page in one of my books, whatever it is that I'm reading, whatever that may be, but I think kind of shifting that energy for a moment and saying it's okay, as opposed to, no, I have to keep going because I have to do, you know, I have to work for eight hours straight. (laughs) I think that has been definitely something that I've recently applied that it's been work in progress because it's not like you can just snap out of, the majority of your working life feeling this way to suddenly saying, hey, it's okay for me to take a break. I don't feel motivated right now and and I need to do something else. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I think that that's one thing that's funny about our work is, you know, when you work for yourself, you think, oh, I don't have to work eight to five anymore. And then oftentimes we find ourselves doing exactly that. <laughs> so I think that that's very helpful to hear that from others that are successful in our industry because it is, you know, Obviously, you may feel like, "Oh gosh, I don't have time to take a break right now, but sometimes that's exactly why you need to take the break. yeah, I'm reminding myself of that too, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, because it's uh, a work in progress, right? It's not it something is. that, oh naturally, okay, I'm gonna it. no, it's like you almost have to force yourself, so that's why I mentioned you know it's uh you have to kind of even that strategic, right, and saying, "Oh wait, yeah, no, it's okay for me to pause, so I agree.
0: Yeah, it's a constant. And it will kind of always be, we think, oh, we've gotten past that point. And sometimes we find ourselves right back in it. So, yes. So speaking of constants, our professions are constantly changing and evolving as well. So what can you share with us about what you can do to future-proof your career?
2: Wow. Yeah. Especially lately, right? With all the the buzz about the new technologies and everything that's that's occurring on the industry, um, Mm -hmm. in the world in general. You know, I feel that the way that I'm able to be able to stay connected is by doing exactly that, by by being connected, by going out and being part of conferences, being part of webinars, of listening to the things that are happening, but also things that are happening outside of the industry. I think that that's also very important when we open ourselves up to opportunities that are not necessarily Related to the work that we do. And I say not necessarily because somehow, some way you're able to tap into some of that outside knowledge and bring it into your work or the profession or the industry. So I think just staying connected and, and staying curious about things out there is definitely something that has helped me reignite, you know, my curiosity, reignite the work that I do. And of course, the creativity aspect that that always comes into play.
1: That's wonderful. Yeah, such an important reminder. So we'd love to hear more about this topic from you. How do
2: you cultivate your creativity and curiosity? (laughs) I have to like laugh at that a little bit because it's not a you know, a process per se, right? I think Mm -hmm. that creativity is just a natural part of who we are. And unfortunately, for many of us, we tend to want to separate that part of ourselves for whatever reason. Maybe we think that it's creativity belongs in, you know, the quote unquote creative professions where... In actuality, I think it just should be part of anyone's work or anything that's done. And I tend to cultivate that by doing exactly what I just mentioned. I think, you know, being curious and being involved and engaging in different things, engaging particularly in the things that I am curious about, even if it has nothing to do with, you know, necessarily or I think the work that I'm doing. I'll give you an example. For instance, I was so heavily into this topic of creativity and, you know, you know thinking like wow like why isn't this topic talked about more often in our industry and being able to bring in creative aspects to our work that potentially can help evolve whatever it is that we're doing maybe it's a project or maybe it's you know the industry itself who knows right and so i'm thinking why are we talking about this component more and i was so into this topic i yeah i ended up finding topics not I say finding as if I was looking but it actually was like I opened up the podcasts you know like because I'm I, I am a podcast listener about all, yeah. all kinds of other topics and guess what the topic was on like three of my favorite it, and it was like the title was there like the creative process or or you know t- tapping into your creativity and I was like come on like that's the synchronicity right there yeah. is like unbelievable. So I think just being able to open ourselves up to the curiosities, so that we can see what comes in is what keeps us creative. And the creative aspect is an evolving aspect. I think it's never, it's not stagnant. I tend to do a lot of writing too. So all like, my idea maybe that makes no sense right now, or, you know, that inspiration, maybe I don't see how it applies. But I do a lot of Writing. I'm one of those collectors that collect different notebooks. <laughs> so I've got like notebooks everywhere, notepads, and I'm always writing different things down. So I think that that just stirs up potentially something in the future or even if it's in the moment, but that you can connect to later on. Just staying curious. That would be the main thing.
1: Yeah. Wonderful. So what do you think are some challenges that our colleagues translators and interpreters run into when it comes to maintaining curiosity at various stages in their careers?
2: Well, perhaps, I don't know, like I, I, I think back in my experience and what made me feel that I was not a creative individual for, for a number of years. And I think it's allowing the outside forces. And by that, I mean, maybe it could be people you work with, you know, or just experiences potentially that you've had to sort of say your creativity or what you're thinking does not apply here. And I'll give you an example, for instance, of why I say that. I felt that there was a lot of more things that I could do and I could offer in the organization that I worked with for so for so long. But as I mentioned earlier, there was a lot of red tape, right? There's always Mm -hmm. a revolving door of administration. And so there's just always something constantly changing that would not allow for that creative aspect. Now, for some reason, that burning desire was always there. And so rather than say, well, I can't do it because I'm not allowed to. So, you know, my my work only allows for so much creativity and that's it. It was finding a way of applying it somewhere else. And so finding a creative outlet for me ended up becoming the podcast, which ended up opening doors to all kinds of other opportunities, which at the end I was like, wow, I actually am a creative person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you are but I didn't I didn't see that until I realized that I needed to let go from what people what people would say I could do, right, the extent of what I could do to giving myself that permission to saying, well, if I can't do it there, then I'm going to do it over here for myself. And I think that basically was, for me, it was just, you know, world shattering. I never would identify myself or describe myself as a creative individual until I gave myself that permission to do so.
0: I love hearing that. And I think it's also important to like not keep yourself inside a box. We've talked about that a little bit here before. Just because people expect certain things of you because of your profession or because that's what everybody else does, it doesn't mean you can't do something different with that too.
2: And that applies to the work. I think that that's one of the things that a lot of people potentially, I mean, I know I did and you know, I, I fell into that, that box of thinking that I had to separate the two things, that it couldn't work in combination where I've realize now that it is in those intersections, right? The intersection of what we love, what we enjoy, and what we're curious about, that potentially new things arise. Mm -hmm. But it took me many years to be able to say, hey, yes, this part is okay to bring into the work that I do. So it's a learning progress.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it will always be, right? For sure. You're right, it can coexist. So Mireya, if we have you know, colleagues who are translators and interpreters listening to this and they want to cultivate their creative side. What are some things they can do to find the time and opportunities to engage in creative activities?
2: Yeah, those things are always, I think it really does depend obviously on the individual, but I would say those things that you're curious about, you know, for instance, if you enjoy cooking content or things of that nature, Opening the door to to squeezing in those things during your your daily routine, you know whatever that may be. I think that we sometimes again I mentioned we want to separate the two, but I I did find moments like for instance, and I go back to my experiences of course right because those are the examples that I have. I commuted over an hour to get to the office from where I lived to where the office where the school district was, and for the first few years it was like I just. Uh, let's just say that the radio played the same songs for too long, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and I was so bored. And this is where the audiobooks and the podcast came in because one day I just decided I want to switch that channel, right? It wasn't like the radio channel. It was like, I wanted to switch what I could use this time with, like I could potentially be learning things during one hour each way, right? That was mm-hmm. two hours worth of content on something. And so because I, I made that decision to insert that in my schedule, it was a daily routine that didn't change. It was what I was doing with the time that changed that I started learning new things, feeling inspired, feeling motivated, feeling like, yeah, my ideas weren't that crazy because <laughs> there are other <laughs> crazies out there along, you know, along with me. But it was only because, again, I allowed for that opportunity to enter my space, to enter my realm. Otherwise, I don't think I would have. Thought of any of the crazy things that I feel were crazy. <laughs> thanks to, yeah, thanks to those. Thanks to those. I ended up actually enjoying my rides after that, except for traffic times. But yeah, it's just allowing for that space somehow. We all have, somebody said it, and, and I've heard it over and over the same time that Beyonce has, right? <laughs> we all have eight hours <laughs> or, tw- excuse me, 24 hours in the day. It's just what we do with those specific moments, I feel. that is the game changer for us.
0: Yeah. And there's those pockets of time, like, you know, thinking about your commute, it does feel like wasted time. And so many people would just like turn on music or turn on whatever, which is not a waste by any means. But if you think of something else you'd rather be doing, maybe there's a way for you to be able to like, listen to something to learn, like you said, or, you know, cultivate some creativity in some other way while you're using that time. Because otherwise you can get into a habit of course, of just doing the same thing over and over again and feeling, like yeah, it's just a, a trudge that you're doing every day. So No, yes. That.
2: Definitely. That that was what I felt like for I I wanna say the first three years of I mean, imagine every single day, you know, an hour's worth. And there were times where like I mentioned there was like traffic and it was more than an hour and once I started enjoying the things, like it was it just wasn't the feeling anymore. Like I actually felt like, shoot, I'm already home and I'm not done with this part. <laughs> <laughs> So, Maria, we want to wrap up our episode with you by
0: asking you if you could give your past self a piece of advice. What would it be?
2: That long pause. <laughs> um, Oh, my past self. I think my past self was always very self conscious of what others might think if I threw out a wild idea. So, obviously, it would be to give my past self that permission to be curious, to be creative, and to not allow the perception of other people, you know, or their experiences or their fears to drive my motivation or, or stall whatever idea it is that I have. I think that I would definitely go back and tell her, you know, you, you are creative and your ideas might one day inspire other people. So jump, <laughs> jump.
1: I love this. This was so helpful, Maria. I'm sure this conversation and all your tips will inspire many colleagues to think about ways of boosting their creativity and remaining curious. Um, There were so many great gems. Before we go, we'd love it if you'd join us for a special segment. We like to ask our guests to share something with our listeners about a favorite book, resource, or a gadget. And we call this segment Guests' Favorites. So is there anything that you'd like
2: to recommend? Oh my gosh. What? So many other things. I and speaking of the time flying by, seriously, the, the time flew <laughs> by here. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I definitely do love the reading and the audiobooks and the podcast, but I think in the last year I have really gone into some of these books that I really have enjoyed. So I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend three books that I are my favorite, and then of course the last one really quick. So the three books that I've Super connected with lately have been uh, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Amazing, amazing story of the whole Nike revolution and all that. Super great. Atomic Habits by James Clear. Like that book, just, yeah, it was a wow factor for me. And then the book by Mark Randolph, which is That Will Never Work, which is a story of Netflix. That's, yeah, it's an amazing, inspirational book. For me, it was inspiration just of talking about ideas that you think you know, are, are wild and out there and then suddenly something clicks. So that one was a good book. And then the last, the last thing would be writing things down. I do feel there's power in that. You know, if you are a translator, you know, you know, the translation of a book of literary work of anything, there's power in the words that that we write down. I'm a big, just a uh, what do they call them, word maps, right? Like I, I, mm-hmm. I love putting those together, starting with one idea and then just allowing that to blossom, you know, other smaller ideas to kind of start the work. I think that, that it's powerful and I have notebooks for everything. Like I carry things for ideas, things for, you know, my to-do list or things like that. So just writing things down, I think is super powerful, even to remind ourselves you know, where we were at, at one moment in our life, and then looking back and thinking, wow, like, I've come a long way, because Mm -hmm. sometimes we don't necessarily pause to, to -hmm. sort of absorb how long we've come with the work that we've done. So Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I mean, that was long and winded, but (laughs) those would be it for sure. I love that. And we'll add the links to the books as well in the show notes for everyone. So good. So good books. Yeah.
0: So thanks again for joining us today, Mireya. And before we go, we want to make sure that everybody knows where they can learn more about
2: you and find you online. Yes, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, before we go, I just want to say thank you so much. I admire you ladies so very much and I appreciate the invitation and uh, yeah, very much hoping that. Uh, people get something out of this, if anything, at least a good laugh. Um, You can find me at I'm on Instagram on Facebook. I'm now on YouTube, where I'm trying to delve into that space. And yeah, create video content about the podcast on that space as well. But I hang out mostly on Instagram lately, because As you guys mentioned earlier, I am starting to create some reels that are both funny and educational, but I also really, really enjoy the LinkedIn space. So you can find me under Brand the Interpreter and on LinkedIn as Mireya Perez. I love that. Thank you so much. We will add all the links to the show notes and I'm going to check out your YouTube
0: channel
1: too. Yes, likewise. Thank you so much, ladies. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Mireya. And unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this episode.
0: But as always, in a couple of days, our email subscribers will get a summary of the episode with all the links to the resources that we mentioned today.
1: Yes, and if you liked this episode, we would love it if you shared it with your colleagues and friends and left us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. This will only take a minute and we have created a quick video tutorial to show you how to do it. You'll find it in our show notes. Talk to you soon.